Welcome in and welcome back as this is RJ Bell's Dream Preview College Basketball Edition. Been a week since we are maybe even more than a week. I guess we missed two episodes, so it's been a good while since we've talked to you guys. We had you know Thanksgiving break, all that good stuff. Missed some good hoops, missed some bad beats. Uh, Griffin and I just reminiscing about the uh, Seton Hall Memphis, the final play that got both of us somehow got it double. Uh, it double penetrated Griffin. Ooh, only, ooh. only got me one way. Uh, but Griffin Warner is my co-host as always. Griffin, how are you, man? How was your Thanksgiving? It was good. Thanks for asking. Um, so much World Cup, so much college basketball, you know, just trying to do everything I can to not miss everything. I think I'm two days behind of my college basketball watching, but I'll get there eventually and looking forward to uh, not skipping any more episodes until the end of March or April or whenever the heck this season ends. All right. Well, we're not going to belabor this. We're going to jump right in. Uh, one and one again on best bets last week, uh, la- or last episode that we had. And uh, my winner was Florida uh, against Florida State. And that will be uh, prescient when we get to the end of this podcast because we'll be talking about the Seminoles once again. Uh, let's start, though, with the biggest games we'll see in this upcoming week. And we'll start with Ohio State at Duke. We're going to project Duke around a five, five and a half point favorite. And I'll be honest, like you said, you're a little behind on watching these games. There wasn't much to like about Duke in this Phil Knight invitational thing. They play, and I, I lost on this game, so I'm extra bitter about it. I had a pretty heavy wager on Duke against Oregon State. I had a good number, too. I think I had minus 20 and a half close 22 and a half uh Oregon State is the worst team in power five college basketball they were bad last year and most of their crappy players left and they were stuck with five freshmen and two transfers that was basically that's basically their squad this year I said Duke is going to dominate on the glass and turnovers and all these extra possessions, is it's just going to end up being a blowout. Well, Duke did dominate the glass. They dominated turnovers. But they shot so poorly in this game that it was a three-point win that they, they never led by more than five points in this entire game. Then they play a tight game with Xavier that was tight all game. And then today, they get absolutely smashed by Purdue. In those three games, in that MTE, they shot 12 of 59 from three. They cannot make shots. Meanwhile, Ohio State, they look good in Maui. Uh, they, they lost to San Diego State in the opening game, which put them in the loser's bracket. But they got a nice win over Cincinnati, nice win over Texas Tech, and they've got a week off to prep for this game. I think for Duke, getting any kind of margin against good teams, they're going to have to – they'll have to shoot average – and they'll have to dominate rebounds and turnovers. And I don't think they can dominate either one of those things against Ohio State. So I'm going to probably end up liking Ohio State here if we get five, five and a half points. What do you think on this one? Yeah, I wish uh, I could disagree. Uh, I was on Purdue today, um, and uh, we'll be catching up on that one later. I did see the score accidentally, but, you know, the spoiler life is one that I live. Um, I don't really have much to say about Duke except – well, at least they have that Coach K there to still uh, correct no, everything. No, no, they don't, unfortunately. And 
I wonder about John Shire, I got to say. Um, he kind of came out of nowhere to take that job. Um, and it was hilarious seeing, seeing a, a post-game interview of Duke earlier in the week, I think, where Jeremy Roach is looked at as like a captain on the team. And I, he's like a very young junior point guard for them. And talking about the young players around him. I mean, they're a very young squad. They don't have Coach K just to steal calls for the whole game. And if they're not the Duke of old that makes a ton of three-pointers, then it's just Filipowski by himself, it seems to me. Um, I love that because I feel like Duke still got the brand name and they're a team that I want to be against as much as possible, including with Ohio State, because I feel like Cameron Indoor hasn't been that scary as of late. Yeah, so I think we're in agreement on this one. There's, j- It's just... I, I think that Duke is still going to do what they normally, although again, they didn't do it against Oregon state. I was going to say they're going to dominate lower level competition. I think particularly that'll be the case at home. I, I think that uh, next weekend playing Boston college at home might be another smash spot for them, but against teams with a pulse, I, I think that home, that home court advantage is just going to be overweighted. And I think you're going to see teams really compete with them there. So a little agreement to start the pod. Let's look at North Carolina, who number one in the AP last week and number one in your heart, Griffin, (laughs) not number one anymore. Uh, They have lost a couple straight now. Uh, This may be a spoiler alert for you, too. It's all good. Don't worry about it. Uh, North Carolina losing today to Alabama in four overtimes after losing to Iowa State on Friday. And it was really kind of the first – Iowa State and Alabama were really the first games where North Carolina was on the floor with someone on their – like even close to their level. Uh, They didn't really get margin against Portland uh, early in that that, uh, MTE. Uh, winning 89-81. James Madison was the best team they'd played so far, and I think that just the having talent on the floor with them that was somewhat like their talent was a little bit jarring. And I, I think I'm going to end up liking Indiana here. And it's a lot of what I said about Duke. Until they can find a way to hit some shots from outside, it's going to be hard to back North Carolina against good teams. The interior athleticism will get you through against these scrubby-dub teams, that's certainly not going to be the case against Indiana. They don't give up anything inside, and they don't put you on the free throw line. So how do you beat them? Well, you've you've got to beat them over the top. You're going to have to shoot over them. North Carolina's 250th in the country in three-point percentage. And I, the, the biggest difference between Indiana and North Carolina is the depth. Indiana's 13th in the country in bench minutes. UNC, 362nd out of... 363 in that game today four overtimes nine players saw any minutes for North Carolina they just played four games in a week against the best competition they've seen I think they're gassed I think Indiana might actually put a whooping on these Tar Heels here what do you see uh, I saw a UNC team that really struggled to beat everyone on their schedule so far. Um, I I think they're they're probably owing whatever it is against the spread at this point. Um, considering I can't imagine they were less than a sixteen point favorite to James Madison. Um, pretty tight game with Gardner Webb winning by six. 16 over College of Charleston at home. UNC Wilmington in the opener. I know they didn't cover. They won by thirteen. Um, and let's not forget that this UNC team, they should have won the national championship, but uh, that was a long time ago. They were an eight seed going into the tournament. So 
Um, they were fortunate to get Baylor, who was really, really banged up and had none of their players that earned that one seed. Um, crazy run, but ultimately you could probably put that at the fingertips of Caleb Love um, and just an unconscious type of close ball games, always making threes at the end. Um, I'm wondering if UNC is going to really struggle this year to kind of, re, I guess, redo what they did last year, uh, considering expectations are heightened. I don't know that Hubert Davis does much coaching. Um, and I feel like it's one of those teams where they had a really good tournament run and maybe they really weren't that good after all and just kind of got fortunate. I mean, it wasn't too hard when they got through St. Peter's. So um, I'm looking to be against them as much as I can so far this season. I think there's a lot out there that I don't really trust about them. Uh, and I think it's going to be really tough going on the road to Bloomington. Yeah, one in six ATS so far. James Madison was their one cover. They were 12 and a half point favorites. One by sixteen, so not a good, not a good start to the season. If you've been backing the Tar Heels, so or we're in agreement here. Indiana is the side on this one as well. Yeah, uh, you're you're saying three is your is your that's the projection. Yeah, yeah, um, and it may be it may be more than that now after seeing you know four overtimes against uh against Alabama today. But yeah, I'm I'm assuming around a possession. I, I'll like Indiana up to four. Uh, let's go to your boys. The Texas Longhorns, seven-point favorites at Creighton. I guess I'll let you take the lead with the uh, with the Horns. I mean, hard to say too much about the start to the season. Um, certainly uh, very happy with Texas and, and what they've done so far. Um, but they really haven't played anybody besides Gonzaga. That was at home. Like, is it? Is, is it weird that they are not playing in any MTEs? Like they've just kind of set out that whole the whole thing. Um, it's not weird to me because I feel like that's what Chris Beard does. He doesn't play any tough games until conference play, which to me, like should get you hammered by the selection committee. Um, probably not going to be too big of an issue because they're not going to be on the bubble. Most likely knock on wood, famous last words for any Texas alum fan, anything like that to assume anything about our sports programs. But, um, it's how he's always done it. He's never really seemed to be punished for it. Um, so I guess I'm not surprised. So it seems like that's the thing that everyone does so in vogue. And I think it's a really good way to get your team ready for conference play, but, um, weird, but also when we're playing Houston Christian and Northern Arizona and then, and Utah, UT Rio Grande Valley. I mean, I don't really know what to say about what Chris Beard tries to do, but, um, that does make me a little bit concerned about having to be a pretty big favorite to Creighton who just went to Maui. Um, there might be some miles on those legs to say the least, but, um, they've seemed like a really good team so far. Um, their shooting's been great. Um, they had an incredible cover, another bad beat for me against Arizona and that that final, um, just brutal. But that was the week. Hopefully that's in the past. And uh, I got to say, I like Creighton here. Um, I feel like the, the home crowd advantage at UT Sporting Events has gotten better recently. The new stadium seems to be smaller. It's not as big as the drum. And that's a really good thing, the old uh, arena that Texas used to play basketball games in. So I'm not really sure what's going to happen here, uh, but I think seven points is a lot for Texas to lay to a really good Creighton team that I think's uh, at that type of number or that type of price point is a little bit undervalued. Yeah, I think I'm with you. And I, I like what I've seen out of Texas too, but you're you're right. You just haven't seen it against anybody good besides Gonzaga. And I think you can honestly ask right now, like, is Gonzaga one of the elite, elite teams in the country? So I mean, so far they certainly don't look that way. Um I mean, obviously reputation says that they'll they'll be okay, but it, it, if is that win as good as we thought it was at the time? I don't know. I thought Creighton came out of Maui looking really good. Um, they three they won th or they were in three absolute dogfight games and they won two of them against Tech and Arkansas. Those were 
those are teams that make you work for everything, uh, much like Texas. And I think what they were able to do was they were able to overcome sort of the pressure of those teams and the and the defense of those teams because they've got multiple ball handlers. And I think that will help them against this Texas team as well. I think Nimhard's one of the best point guards in the country. Uh, I think Shireman does a great job of handling the ball when necessary. And he's whoever's on him, it's it's typically some sort of it's a matchup problem because he's got good size as well. And on defense, they're better than I thought they were going to be. Uh, we knew Kalkbrenner would would be sort of the eraser down low, but I, they've done a really good job defending three pointers too. And it, like the or excuse me, defending any anything inside. And three pointers have been kind of the weakness. Texas can't shoot threes, so that's that's the, the the route to beating Creighton, which is the route that Arizona took. They don't really have that. Uh, I like their size. I like Kaluma's size. I like Kalkbrenner's size. And the, uh, one thing I was going to ask you about, I, I like that they can play at whatever pace Texas chooses to to play at because the Horns are playing at a, a tempo that's very anti Chris Beard. Like if, if you know, they're a top forty tempo team right now. Do you expect that to keep up? Or do you think that they go back into the the 260s, 280s in tempo like they've been or like Chris Beard teams have historically been? I feel like he's always trying to push the pace faster, but I feel like uh, leopards don't change their spots. People do, do not change. So I'm going to need to see it for a lot longer than uh, what gauntlet Texas has played so far. And I say that sarcastically to really believe that he's going to be an up tempo, fast paced guy. I don't, I don't think that's happening yet. Um, and I don't really believe that it'll, it'll be the case in conference play. Cause I think the big 12 is notoriously a snail. Um, and, and I feel like we're going to have to really believe it or we're gonna have to see it before I, I believe it. Yeah. I, I just think that Creighton being able to play some of these teams that they played in the MTEs so far is an advantage to them especially given that they were in one of the early ones out there in Maui. They've they've had a week to rest now. Uh, so I, I'm going to like Creighton if we get this number, which we're projecting at seven points. We are projecting Seton Hall plus seven at Kansas as well. Uh, I'll let you take the lead here. Are you willing to back the Pirates here? Uh that's an interesting way to, to put that to me. Um, I'm not really. Um, okay. Yeah. I don't. So Seton Hall to me, um, I mean, Shaheen Hallwell had a, uh, had a really great run for St. Peter's in the NCAA tournament, brought a lot of his guys in. And I was thinking that, about this when I was watching the Oklahoma game uh, from this weekend, that they just are like, Odakali, I think, is a legitimate psychopath, and I, I don't really say that in a nice way because he just loses his mind and it seems like he wants to fight everybody. I don't think that's going to work at like high level, high, high level, high major programs. He seems like a, a real loose cannon, and I feel like he kind of reflects the the style of his coach um, that worked really well in the NCAA tournament, where they're notorious for not calling fouls. And I feel like that's going to be a big problem for Seton Hall this year, especially going to the fog. I feel like that's a big emotional place. Um, their crowd's going to be on the whole time. And I feel like, unfortunately, not just to single that guy out, but uh, a lot of Seton Hall seems to be that way. They're going to be really tough. They're going to be really physical. But when you go on the road and try to do that, it doesn't really work very well in college basketball, especially not in a place like um, the fog, I got to say. Um, line kind of seems a little short to me, I got to say. Um, I don't know exactly what I expect from Kansas this year. It's really weird seeing a color transfer from uh, Texas tech in conference to Kansas. I feel like that's going to be a really weird reception coming up, but um, I, I 
gotta say, I don't think that I believe, and especially after watching what what Iowa did at Seton Hall, uh, being a Seton Hall ticket holder, and that one uh, did not go great. And I just don't know that I believe in Seton Hall just yet. I'm, I'm they're going to be really tough at home, where I feel like the, the whistles will be a lot more lenient. But going on the road to the fog, I I don't like their chances whatsoever. Yeah, I don't really either. And I was I'm surprised that I'm saying that because just seeing what Tennessee was able to do to Kansas defensively, it feels like that's something that's repeatable for Seton Hall. But I feel like Seton Hall's just tired right now. I feel like playing the the schedule that they played early in this season, you know, playing uh, Iowa, playing Oklahoma, playing Memphis, I think it's starting to wear them down. And it feels like seeing that against Siena today and, and Seton Hall losing to Siena today, it, we may even get a, a a bigger line on Kansas than what I was projecting based on that. It, it just doesn't feel like they are they they have enough bodies to play the physical brand of ball that they like to play and just do it week in week out. And I think MTE season where you play, you know, they just played three games in four days. I think stuff stuff like that is going to wear them out, which makes me not like Seton Hall come tournament time either, particularly conference tournament time. Uh, but I feel like this is a, probably a good spot for Kansas. So it looks like we agree on that one as well. Uh, Ken Palm, by the way, I, I projected this game at what, six, seven? Uh, Ken Palm saying nine now after that Siena game. So mm-hmm. that it, we may even be looking at a um, a bigger spread for Kansas. So th- that may be – if we're looking double digits, I'm not backing Kansas anyway because I think Seton <laughs> right. Hall is a hard team to, get, to, to beat like that. Uh, but I certainly don't want any part of Seton Hall here. All right, let's get to best bets. Where are you going for this episode, Griff? But first, before we get into best bets, we might as well save uh, the listeners some money. So we're going to use that's a good um, idea. You know, might as well give I mean, Thanksgiving's past, but I guess I mean we got stocking stuffers coming up. Uh, I'm not <laughs> sure that that what what we're going to come up with the next promo code. We'll go CBB twenty college basketball. Uh, C Charlie B boy B boy 20 get 20% off for all listeners of this college basketball podcast. It's good seven days from this podcast release. Um, you can get some picks from AJ Hoffman. I don't know if UFC is coming up. There's too many sports for me to follow, but look, look for him for <laughs> next that. weekend. Yeah. Next weekend uh, as Shirley uh, college basketball from both me and him. And then uh, if you want to jump on the early, early morning world cup parade uh, bandwagon has been full. It's been going pretty well. Um, so make sure you keep an eye out for that. Uh, and use promo code CBB, Charlie Boy Boy 20 for 20% off uh, all listeners of this college basketball podcast. So for my best bet, I'm actually going to stick with one of our best uh, top games of the week. And I really like Indiana um, at home in what will be a Lions Den, I think, uh, for North Carolina to walk into. I don't think that UNC is the team that made it to, and probably should have won the national championship anymore. Um, I need them to prove that they are much better at shooting the three and that it wasn't all just a Cinderella run last March into April. Um, so I'm going to lay the points with Indiana. I It could be in the range from three to five, it seems. Uh, you said you'd play it up to four, and I agree with that. Um, but anything five or below, I'm, I'm into Indiana at, at home. All right, I don't disagree with it. Uh, I I like I, again. I, I mostly just want to fade North Carolina right now, as you said earlier. Look for ways to to go against them. I've been looking for ways to go against Florida State, and so far so good. Uh, a lot of the problems 
with this Seminole team are the same problems I had with them when I bet Florida minus five and a half a week ago. And it was Florida's first time in a true road game, which it will be the same for Purdue this week. By the way, Purdue project we're projecting it at minus 10. Uh, I mean, double digits. I feel comfortable laying to, um, but they, they give up too many second chance points. They can't, they can't shoot. They can't defend threes. And they've struggled with good bigs. And Colin Castleton in that Florida game, 25 points, nine rebounds. And now they face Purdue, who has what looks to be the best big in the country in Zach Eady. They by are, far. By they far. Are thriving, sending everything through him. And the biggest difference between this Purdue team from a year ago is there's no ball-dominant guard on the floor which is you know that that helps them play through their through their front court a little bit better and Edie's playing more than 15 minutes a game like he, you could hardly ever have him on the floor last year and it feels like they it, it may have cost them you know a, a deep run in a tournament may have cost him a championship when you see how good this guy really is he's currently first in Kim Palm's player of the year ranking and it's just hard to look at them right now and and figure out why you would have played him so little last season. They're coming off a week where they had double-digit wins over Duke, Gonzaga, and West Virginia. They are clicking right now. Florida State finally got a win over Mercer. That was their first win of the season. They promptly followed that back up with double-digit back-to-back losses against Siena and Stanford. Florida State stinks like Leonard Hamilton, this whole, I, I don't, I mean, Leonard Hamilton, Hamilton's got a lot of wins at Florida state, but it seems like a lot of his wins have come from recruiting incredibly athletic guys and just letting them play ball. And it seems like the guys that he's got right now just can't do it. And his coaching is not pumping them up enough. I think there's a huge coaching mismatch here. I think there's no answer for Edie down low. I think Purdue absolutely houses this Florida state team. What do you see? Welcome to the Purdue bandwagon. I did bet those three games this weekend uh, or week. I'm not even sure what day it is at this point, but uh, Zachy, I don't think I don't, I have no idea how you guard him. Um, And he's surrounded, maybe not as, as good a three point shooters this year, but he's got a lot of capable bigs with him as well. And I feel like they're playing two twin towers at a time. So you're either going to take out Edie or going to play like really small and go four out one in. I, I, I don't know how you beat Purdue. And I feel like you might as well get on them now because I don't think there's going to be a lot of value in them uh, later in the season. Yeah, and I, I think there's going to be teams that can beat Purdue. I'm almost certain Florida State's not one of them. <laughs> that's what's one thing I know. This is a bad, bad team. Florida State and Louisville just seem like dead teams. Like there's just there's nothing redeeming about them. The players aren't that good. The coaching isn't that good. Just feels like they're just they're living on resume. And it's it's not going to be enough. So, uh, looking to fade both those teams. It's worked for me a couple times in both instances. I'm going back to that well here. Purdue minus ten will be my best bet. All right, that is going to do it, friends. Hopefully, we get ourselves a two and zero here. We've been waiting on a good two and a week. Maybe this is the one. Maybe we're tired of splitting. So let. How about this, Griffin? I'll win mine if you win yours. Deal? Deal. Deal. You show me yours, right. yours, I'll show you mine. Can't wait. Okay. Sounds good, man. Uh, but for Griffin Warner, I am AJ Hoffman. We will be back on our normal schedule. We'll have a Thursday release for Friday morning. And uh, hopefully we will see you guys at the window. Have a good week.